God's kind of over here today, and and we're supposed to be done by 12, but that's not happening today. So go as quickly as you can, but be led by the Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wasn't sure. I, I got good notes on the main body of this teaching, but I wasn't sure how I wanted to introduce it, and that came clear during the prayer before, mostly Kathy praying about covenants. Um, the, 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 the standard mindset in, in modern mainstream theology is there's two covenants, and the new covenant did away with the old covenant. And that's wrong. I mean, I don't have a college degree, and I'm stepping on the toes of these PhDs that are heads of their departments at the seminaries. <laughs> but it's wrong. There are, there are, first off, more than two covenants. And second, the new covenant doesn't do away with any of the other covenants. First covenant was with Adam of Adam sinned, God made a covenant with him and promised that eventually there'd be redemption. Do we want to do it away with that covenant? I don't think so. Uh, the second, there's a covenant with Noah. He promised he'd never flood the earth away. Do we want to get rid of that one? Uh-uh. Okay. Um, there was a covenant with Abraham. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Do we want to keep the blessing of Abraham? I think they'll do that, you know? And, and then uh, the old, the, what's commonly called the Old Covenant is the Mosaic Covenant. Do you realize there were actually two Mosaic Covenants? He made a covenant with Israel at Sinai when they came out of Egypt. But that generation died in the wilderness, so he renewed the covenant with them just before he died, before they crossed into the Promised Land. And then, of course, there's another covenant with King David promising that his ancestor would rule forever. I think we'll keep that one too, you know? So, and, and as far as doing away with covenants, you're, most of you here are married. You made a covenant. You made vows when you got married. And through the course of your marriage, you've been working to fulfill those vows. When you come to the point where you can say you were successful at filling those vows, does that mean your marriage is done away with? I don't think so. <laughs> so, so the old covenant is still there. Well, this, uh, these feasts a lot of times are called the Jewish feasts, which is kind of a misnomer because the Jews didn't set them up. God did. Um, in uh, Leviticus 23, kind of outlines all the feasts. It starts out with the Sabbath, the weekly and that was set up on the second day that mankind existed. So, uh, so the, the old covenant isn't done away with. It still applies. The new covenant is just expanding on the old covenant. Each one of these covenants just built on the covenants that went before. So the new covenant is an expansion of it. Uh, so, um, so the Passover still applies. <laughs> and... And uh, okay. Passover still applies, and there's really great riches. The Hartford Public Library coming up again. 
great riches in doing God's feasts. Again, conventional, modern theology gives us Easter and, and Christmas. Well, Christmas is the wrong time of the year for Christ's birth, so that's totally off. But Easter's at least close. They've got some of the right elements, but there's also uh, some pagan influences mixed in. That comes from the time of Constantine when uh, there, there was actually a lot of anti-Semitism during those times, and they purposefully tried to drive a wedge between Christianity and Judaism, which is really ironic because the Christ of Christianity was a Jew and practiced Judaism, you know? So that doesn't work. <laughs> um, so, uh, so getting into the Passover celebration, uh, how the, the road that took me into discovering all of this, I grew up going to church. I, I wasn't a Christian until I was 15, but I, every year that I ever remember, I was in church, you know, and every year in spring, I'd hear a sermon on the triumphal entry, and that always bugged me. It just didn't quite make sense, you know. It's like, yeah, Christ's, Christ's ministry was entirely a triumph, but what happened the week before the triumphal entry that was the triumph they were celebrating then? It's like, no, it, it, what? It, there's nothing there that stands out from everything before. I mean, it was good, but it didn't stand out to where they should have a particular celebration for it. And in fact, his greatest triumph was the week that followed that. <laughs> so what, there's hundreds of people all lining this road and they all came prepared with their branches to lay down in the road before him. Why'd they come? They didn't know he was coming. I mean, uh, a handful of the disciples had gone into town the day before to, to make an announcement to a few people, but they, they couldn't have possibly gotten these hundreds of people to come prepared with branches. I mean, inside Jerusalem, there's not many trees growing. They brought these branches from outside the city, and that took some time. They were prepared for something, and it wasn't Christ coming in. Okay, so... Uh, That's why. <laughs> um, so, uh, another thing, conventional wisdom, Easter gives us the Last Supper being a Passover Seder. They give us Christ dying on Friday and being resurrected at sunrise on Sunday. Well, those three things are wrong, too. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see that as I go through this. Uh, so, uh, Matthew 12, verse 39, uh, shows us why the, the Friday to Sunday is wrong. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to, to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so the Son of Man shall be three days and three nights 
in the heart of the earth. Well, some people claim that you can count part of a day as a day. So you got Friday afternoon, and you got Saturday, and you got Sunday. You got three days. Good. Well, how about three nights? You got Friday night, and you got Saturday night, and then you got a problem. <laughs> there are not three nights. So that can't be right. But uh, if, you, if you read all the Gospels carefully and together, uh, it spells out the whole week. So now we can pass these out. Um, it turns out the triumphal entry wasn't the triumphal entry. <laughs> um, Matthew 21, um, starting with verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then he then sent Jesus two of the disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophet by the prophet, saying, tell, tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, a, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And he brought the ass and the colt and put on them their cloak. They, uh, they brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strewed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So obviously it wasn't a triumphal entry because they were excited about Christ coming into town. They, when he came in, they're saying, who is this? What they were expecting was this was the tenth day of the first month, and that year it happened to be a Saturday. Uh, it's going to be later on when I tie this to the days of the week, and you can work it backwards and find out that it's so. But right now you just have to take my word for it. This is Saturday, the Sabbath. And he's coming into town, and they're expecting something different. What they were expecting, uh, well, i got to back up a minute. There were, there were actually two Passovers that kind of ran concurrently ever since the time of Moses. Um, there was the Passover that was done family by family and house by house where they would eat basically what came that comes down to us now is the Passover Seder. And, and uh, that, that's uh, a nice tradition, has a lot of meaning in it. If you ever get a chance to go to one, I'd recommend it. But that wasn't what, what Jesus did. Uh, there was also uh, the Passover celebration at the temple, and that was what Jesus did. Um, Sheila was talking last night about the what, what would Jesus do bracelets, and she said, I don't want to know what Jesus would do. I want to know what he did. Well, this is what he did. So, so uh, the triumphal entry was part of the celebration at the temple, 
And that was the time when the high priest would leave Jerusalem and go to Bethlehem where the flocks for the temple sacrifices were kept. All the sheep for the sacrifice were born in Bethlehem. Hmm. And, and so this tenth day of the month, every detail through this whole week, Christ fills, fulfills on the right day and even the right hour. The, 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 the lambs for the sacrifice in the temple were all born in Bethlehem. That's where the, the, the priestly flocks were kept. So who do we know that was born in Bethlehem? <laughs> okay? So, uh, so this day, the tenth day of the month, was when the high priest would go out to Bethlehem and select the most perfect lamb he could find and bring it into the city for Passover sacrifice, and these people were lined up on the road to watch the high priest bringing the lamb for the sacrifice. Now we have the high priest who is the lamb of the sacrifice coming into town on the right day. They didn't recognize him. In fact, you know, through, through this whole thing, as we'll see at the Emmaus Road, even the disciples didn't recognize what was going on. It's, they'd been practicing it for 1,400, 1,500 years, and now it's happening right in front of them, and they don't even see it. So uh, Passover's been fulfilled, and now looking back, we can see it. Sometime not long from now, probably, tabernacles will be fulfilled, and will we have eyes to see it then? <laughs> but the, the good news is that even the disciples who missed it, when Passover happened in front of them, they still were redeemed. Okay, So if we don't see all the details as they're happening, God's got grace and we can catch up. Right. That's, that's the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Well, as we can see from Matthew 21, verse 10, they said, who is this? So they, for mostly, I mean, some of them knew who Jesus was, but most of them didn't. So this was, this was part of their annual tradition when the high priest came in. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> Baptist, uh, when, when Father restored the baptism, the water baptism, what was birthed out of that? The Baptist denomination. Every restoration move has birthed a denomination. Luther, justification, birthed what? The Lutheran Church. Baptists come from, and all their denominations come from that uh, period of when the water baptism was restored back to the church. We lost most of it. We lost about everything in the dark ages, but God always kept a remnant. But they weren't speaking in tongues because God hadn't restored the Pentecostal tongues. 
So what did they do? There was too much time between that. See, every move that gets a restoration move of the Spirit thinks they've arrived. That they have it. They're on the cutting edge ministry of the day. And the others are like, uh, we're not a part of that. We've got our stories. We've got our doctrines, our traditions. So now I've lost my track of what I was trying to teach them. Um, yeah, yeah. But exactly. Because that was the tradition. Right, and so, so our church, thank you, thank you, now, now I'm tracking. <laughs> Keep going. So by the time that the Pentecostal move came, the Baptists had already had a doctrine that there is no speaking in tongues. Why? Because their people came and said, why aren't we speaking in tongues or reading the word? Well, that was done away. So they came up with a doctrine and a tradition of the church. And they earnestly believed that because they haven't received the next restoration move. So fortunately, you have received the next restoration move. The only time that the Holy Spirit came and blew on the church was during uh, the 70s there with this manifestation of the charismatic movement. And he infiltrated every denomination and asked them to come with him. People even had charismatic moves in their denominations. That's what I'm saying. He went to everywhere, and they, and they did moves. But not everybody came out of denominationalism. It was the Father's good pleasure to have one body without, he, he, he didn't, men adopted these. So when it comes to this time of year, they are practicing Hosanna. They're practice well, they were as well. Uh, we know Jesus dealt with that. But uh, what he's teaching you here is this is what they were really doing. So, so forget what you think you've learned. Just listen to the scripture and the word. You've heard a lot of traditions of men, just like the Baptists have their traditions, and some could not move on to the next restoration move. You understand? Are you track? Am I making it simple enough? He's trying to bring them up to speed. They just didn't know about it. They didn't know about it. So so we could all come here. I love that. We could all come here today and go, um, we've never heard of such a thing. We didn't know that. So just listen with an open heart. Nobody's here to twist your arm. We're not here to really pour heresy here. But it is a different teaching. And this is life. This is over 40 years of study without commentaries, but being led by the Spirit of God and what the Word actually says, not what we've necessarily been taught. They weren't trying to deceive you. It's just like Jesus wasn't born on December 24th, folks. If you look at even many secular calendars, it shows it on the calendar the Annunci- on Catholics, it's the Annunciation. It's, they chose that day because it was actually when he was overshadowed, when Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and he was implanted in her womb. 
So it's a good argument for from the theorists on abortion. Even on our calendars, we acknowledge the Annunciation, that Christ was being formed in her womb at that time. So if you take that nine months later, he was born at the Feast of Trumpets. But we'll get into that later. But do you see what I'm saying? And we can talk. Uh, we don't have time to tell you why they picked those dates. You need to go study that yourself. Yeah, we could spend days on these rabbit trails. There's so much there. Uh, but... But today we're talking Passover, so so we'll try and yeah and and you know uh, and and Christians have a lot of these traditions that are wrong. Well, some some Christian traditions are good and some are not good. It depends with if they align with Scripture, okay. And the Jews also had some traditions that were good and some traditions that were not good. And the reason they wanted to kill Jesus was because he was blatantly walking on their traditions that weren't good. But we'll see later on that as he fulfills the past, the, the, the things they did in the Passover week at the temple, a lot of the elements of that were not in Scripture. They were human traditions, but they were good traditions, and Christ fulfilled them. So, uh, you know, it was it was going beyond the Scripture in fulfilling, but it was only when the traditions were good, and some were good and some were not. So, um, so we have the so-called triumphal entry was when he was the Lamb of God was also the high priest coming into the city, and the next morning, uh, it would be the 11th day of the first month, uh, the first month on God's calendar, the month of the Aviv, is, it aligns with March, April on our, our calendar that society uses now. Uh, so it was a Sunday, and uh, that was when Yeshua cleansed the temple. Um, Matthew 21:12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Uh, another tradition with, well, which is actually commanded in the scriptures, was you had to get all the leaven out of your houses before Passover. That's where the tradition of spring cleaning comes from. And so they would... They would clean every little nook and cranny and corner in their houses and get every bit of uh, leaven out of the house and burn it. And where the leaven of the Pharisees, uh, Christ comes and hears all these money changers in the temple, and he drove them out to, to get the leaven of the Pharisees out of the house of God. Okay? Um, also in Mark, 11:15 They come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Uh I think it was a few verses earlier in Mark where it shows that that was the day after the, the after he came in on the colt. Um So this begins a period where where Yeshua spends four days in the temple teaching, and uh, the whole time the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're all testing him. Uh, that was um, another thing from the, the 
Passover celebration was this lamb that the high priest brought into the city would be in dis on display in the temple for four days and everyone could go and inspect the lamb and find if it was indeed the perfect lamb. Okay? And we'll, we'll see that coming back here in a couple of days. <laughs> um, so then the, uh, the 13th day of the first month, being a Tuesday, was when Judas took the 30 pieces of silver to betray Christ. Matthew 26, verse 13, uh, 14, rather. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Okay, so now uh, Judas has been paid off to, to do the betrayal, but he hasn't betrayed him yet. Uh, so now they're, they're making pre preparations before the Passover. Uh, Matthew 26, 17, uh, it's most of your English versions probably aren't quite accurate translations. Uh, like This one says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Well, if it was the first day of unleavened bread, they already missed the Passover because the Passover was the evening before the week of unleavened bread started. But if you look in, in uh, a good English translation that got it wrong, <laughs> if you can grasp that, uh, the word day is usually in italics. And when the word is in italics, that means it's, it's not there in the original text. So the proper understanding of this verse is the, the beginning of Passover, being Passover meaning the whole Passover week, basically. Passover was actually a, not even a full day. It was an event. It was the sacrifice. But the whole season, uh, Passover and unleavened bread and the first fruits offering were uh, often referred to as the Passover week. So... Now before the feast of the Passover, when, when uh, excuse me, back on Matthew 26, now the first day, the, the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, Mas the master saith, my time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus appointed them and they made ready the Passover. Okay, so then uh, uh, on God's calendar, you have to also know that God doesn't reckon days from midnight to midnight like we do. He, the, the day on God's calendar starts at sunset. You see that in the, the creation account in Genesis 1. Uh, so sunset begins the next day, and at sunset, the, the beginning on God's calendar of the 14th day of the first month, uh, we have this, John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was that he was come from God and went to God, 
He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Uh, now, uh, I probably should have read the, the let me go back there, uh, Leviticus 23. Okay, Leviticus 23, starting at verse 5, uh, tells about the feast of Passover. In the 14th day of the first month, at even, is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days, and in the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So, so it's a week-long feast, and the first day and the seventh day are, work, are, are days where work is prohibited. It's basically a Sabbath. Um, so, so here we are. Uh, this... This is the, the evening of the 14th. The 15th would be the first day of unleavened bread, which would be a Sabbath. That means no work done. If, the, if, this, if Jesus' last meal was a Passover Seder, then after the meal would be the 15th day of the month. No work is to be done. Well, if Christ is taking and washing the feet of the disciples, that's doing work. So if... If the last meal was a Passover Seder, now he's doing work on a day when work is prohibited. That would be a sin. Now he wouldn't be qualified to be the Lamb of God. So the, the Last Supper couldn't be a Passover. It was, it was, I mean, he did do the thing with the bread and the cup from which we get the, uh, the communion, but, but that wasn't, Passover Seder. It was just a meal. It was his last meal with them. Uh, and and in fact, there's there's another verse. I don't think I have it in my notes here, but there is a verse in one of the Gospels where he says, "I've desired to to eat this Passover with you." And he says that, and everybody thinks, "Oh, so it must be a Passover." Well, he says he desired to eat it, but he never says he ate it. He wanted to, but he had other things to do. He was the lamb. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so also uh, we see in, in verse 3, um, no, verse 2, supper being ended, the devil having na now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, at this point, in one of the Gospels, uh, Simon leaves, the, the dinner is ended, and uh, I think it was probably, was, was it, I think it was after the feet were washed. Okay, so, uh, so uh, Judas leaves to go and uh, get the uh, Pharisees to intercept him in Gethsemane. Uh, yeah, okay, so, so John 13, 29, 
For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Well, if he was, if, if Christ was sending Judas out to buy something for the feast, then obviously Passover hadn't happened yet. <laughs> okay? Um, just another witness that it wasn't the actual Passover meal um, was the fact that after they ate it, they went to the Mount of Olives. And we're getting ready to go on a tour of Israel in November. And the upper room is too far a distance for them to have walked where they ate this meal. They were getting ready for the Passover in that room. But that is too far of a walk to get to, he would have been breaking the law. They were to do no servile work or walk, and it was too much of a distance for him. Uh, but, I mean, he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have even been doing that. He was the, the lamb without blemish or spot. It was just his final meal. Um, and another thing, if if Judas was going out to, uh, where was I? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So if Judas was going out to buy things for the meal, number one, the meal couldn't have happened yet. But also, on the first day of unleavened bread, there's no work. All the shops are closed. Where's he going to go to buy anything anyway? <laughs> So then we're down to Luke 22:36. Then he said unto them, But now he that hath the purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So again, if it was the high Sabbath, the first day of unleavened bread, there wouldn't be any place to go and buy a sword. And yet we see that Peter used the sword later that evening in the garden. So he obviously got one somewhere. <laughs> so the shops couldn't have been closed, right? <laughs> uh, so, so then there's the whole scene in Gethsemane, and uh, Christ goes through six tri uh, trials through the, the wee early hours and into the morning. First before Annas, John 18, 13, uh, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Then the second trial was before Caiaphas, Matthew 26, 65. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, he, that has, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard his blasphemy. Well, the, this verse is important because the high priest rent his clothes. And if you're serving as a high priest and you rent your clothes, that disqualifies you from being a high priest. And we'll get back to that in a minute, too. Not, not once he rent his clothes. And in fact, he was a Roman appointee anyway, so he, he wasn't a legitimate high priest to begin with. But, but then when he rent his clothes, now he's doubly illegitimate. Okay, so then they, they, the, the next trial is before Pilate. Luke 23, 4. 
Then Pilate said to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. Now we get back to the, the four days when the, the lamb was in the temple and, and they, everybody was inspecting it to make sure it was a perfect lamb. Well, at the end of that four days, the high priest would say, I find no fault in him, meaning that it was a perfect lamb. Well, Caiaphas was doubly disqualified now, and he was against Christ anyway, so he wasn't going to say, I find no fault in him, and he wasn't qualified to, him if, to, to say it if, even if he did. So Pilate spoke in his place, I find no fault in this man. Uh, then, then there's a trial before Herod, and then he goes back to Pilate again, Luke 23, verse 13, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, You have brought unto me this man uh, as one that perverts the people, and behold, I have examined him before you and found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. Nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. So now we have, Herod, uh, we have Pilate saying again, I find no fault in him, and he's also witnessing that Herod could find no fault in him. And uh, continuing on from this, uh, we have the story of Barabbas. And that, that's not so much a Passover thing, but it kind of touches on um, the Day of Atonement. Barabbas means son of the father. So he's you can kind of draw, connect the dots between him and Christ. They're both the son of the father. It's like the two goats for the sacrifice on uh, the Day of Atonement. There was One was killed and the other was set free in the wilderness. So now we have Barabbas being set free and Christ is led to the sacrifice. Then John 19, verses 12 to 15, or 13 to 15, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought, forth, brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabata, and it was the preparation of the Passover. So again, the Passover hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like, how clear do we need to make this? <laughs> uh, Mark 15:25, uh, and it was the third hour, and they crucified him. The third hour, by the Hebrew reckoning, would be about nine in, in the morning, nine a.m. Uh, they they counted hours from sunrise, and sunrise would have been around six a.m. So this is around nine a.m. when Christ is crucified. Mark 15:25. Uh, then John 19, starting at verse 18, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the, and the reading was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was near unto the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And there's the notable omission of Aramaic. <laughs> so the, the movie had that wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, then the chief priests of the Jews 
to Pilate. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Uh, and, and part of the reason, I think, I, I can't prove it, but I think part of the reason they, they were, the Pharisees were so upset by this sign was in Hebrew, if the wording on the sign was Yeshua, Jesus, Hanatsri, the Nazarene, Vemelech, and king of Yehudim, the Jews. And the first letter of each of those four words, uh, and and the, are both, they're not separate words in Hebrew. They're a one-letter prefix added onto the word. So, so the first of those four words, first letter would be yod Hey vav Hey. That's the name of God. And if the Pharisees saw that, they would be ripping mad. <laughs> so, I mean, they didn't want him called king of the Jews anyway, but if they saw that, now he's king of the universe, and they, they are really going to be upset at that. And uh, so, so then we get into John 19, verse 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, and to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam and woven from, top, from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose shall it be? And that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. And these things, therefore, the soldiers did. Well, that the one that they cast lots for was a priestly garment, and it was not rent. So Christ is still the valid high priest. Um, uh, Caiaphas. Caiaphas, yeah. Uh, so... Then we got Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So, that, so it was dark from noon until 3 p.m., basically, preventing the high priest from offering his lamb until Christ's sacrifice was complete. You couldn't, you couldn't sacrifice a lamb when it was dark. And uh, the, the, the way things worked at, in the temple for Passover was the high priest would sacrifice the first lamb and after his lamb was finished being sacrificed then everyone else could sacrifice their lambs for their Seder meals at home but but the the as yeah Josephus says as many as 250,000 lambs would be sacrificed in this one day one afternoon <laughs> They had to have them all done before dark. They, they had to wait for the perfect lamb. Um, so... so yeah. Uh, that that's coming up, um, but but God had all these details worked out just 
every little, just perfectly, unimaginable how well all the details worked out. Uh, John 19, 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. So, so not only is he providing care for his mother after he's gone, but he's also providing her a place to go for the actual Passover meal which hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, John 19.30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the, whole, the ghost. Um, like I said, when the, when the high priest finished sacrificing his lamb, this is what the high priest would say, it is finished. And that was the cue so that everyone else could go and sacrifice their lambs. So the high priest would say, it is finished when the lamb died. And here is our high priest saying, it is finished and dying. Um, so, so then, <laughs> that was finished, but more kept going, yes. <laughs> So Matthew 27, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks were rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now you have to read that verse kind of... You, you have to read that verse carefully... Because the the graves were opened, and then it says that the the saints that slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. We tend to read right through that and think they came right out, but they didn't. And that we'll get we'll come back to that. It's important. Uh, Mark 15, verse 41 to 47, and now when even was come. Because it was the preparation, so the Passover still hasn't, the, the meal hasn't happened, that is the day before the Sabbath, the first day of unleavened bread, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in bodily to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled as if he were, marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, asked him whether he, had, whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew of it, of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And, and he, Joseph, bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in the sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. Okay, so the women just saw Joseph take the body and wrap it in this linen and stick it in the tomb. Well, that wasn't a proper burial. You had to, to do preparation with all these spices and anoint, oint, anointing oils and stuff, and they hadn't done that. They just wrapped them up and stuck them in there. 
and the women see that, and that's not good enough. And uh, but but uh, that was what they saw. And uh, time was getting short. The the women are gone now. And John nineteen thirty nine. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in the linen cloth with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And now in the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein never man yet laid. And there they laid Jesus before, therefore, because of the Jews, Preparation day for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. Okay, so so now Joseph had put the body in the tomb, just just in the, the linen. The women saw that and left. Then uh, Nicodemus comes and he brings the spices and things, and then they do the proper burial, and they still got it managed to get it done before the sun went down, which was the rule because. Uh, because the next day was the first day of of uh, unleavened bread, and again, no work. Uh, I don't think they took any organs out. Uh, it wasn't a full embalming, but they did have to do the spices and the anointing and stuff. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then the sun sets. Now it's the fifteenth day. It's the beginning of the week of unleavened bread, the high Sabbath, uh, getting into Thursday. Matthew twenty-seven sixty-two. Now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, "Sir, we remember that that deceiver said." While he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way. Make it as secure as they can, as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch, a watch of soldiers. Now the Jews aren't supposed to be working on this day, but the soldiers are Romans and it's no holy day to them. So they're perfectly uh, in the right to stand watch over the tomb. So that, that was Thursday. Uh, Friday, Mark 16.1. Uh, and this is the 16th day of the first month. When the, when the Sabbath was passed, the, the first day of the unleavened bread, the high holy day, when, the, when that Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him because they had seen him put away with just the linen wrapping. They hadn't seen that uh, Nicodemus came with the spices. So... So they, first chance they get, they're, they're uh, preparing the spices. Uh, meanwhile, Luke 23:56 says, And they returned and prepared the spices and ointments, 
and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. This is how we nailed down the day of the week, okay? We got they, the Sabbath is passed, and they prepare the spices. And this verse, they prepare the spices and then rest the Sabbath. So you got two Sabbaths with a day in between. Okay, so the only way that can happen is if one of them is the Sabbath of the feast and the other is the weekly Sabbath. So, so that nails it down. This had to be Friday when they're preparing the spices. The, the Sabbath for the first day of unleavened has passed. Now there's a work day. They can go and get the spices and get it all ready. And then the next day is Saturday, the weekly Sabbath. So the weekly Sabbath, the 17th day of the first month, uh, this is when Christ rose at around sunset, three days and three nights, remember, from our first verse. And uh, Matthew 12:39. But he answered and said unto them, oh yeah, that is, well, this is the verse, uh, he answered and said unto them, An adulterous, evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And he gives them the sign three days and three nights. Okay, so before sunrise on Sunday, the 18th day of the first month, the, uh, the fruit, first fruits offering uh, was another thing that, the, that was involved in the whole Passover celebration. Uh, this is where the, the graves become important. Uh, when the lamb was sacrificed, the, the priest would say, the high priest would say, it is finished. And then the next thing he would do is he would go outside the city and there were fields of barley close by and he would go to those fields and he would mark ten sheaves of barley for the first fruits offering. But he wouldn't harvest them yet. He would bind them and leave them standing in the field and then for three days he would, or well, it, uh, the, the first fruits offering was the day after the weekly Sabbath that fell during the unleavened bread. So this year it was the third day. Other years it would be anywhere from the first to the seventh day. Uh, so, so he goes out and binds these sheaves of barley in the field, but doesn't harvest them. They're marked but they're still standing in the field. Then he would go into seclusion until the, the morning after the weekly Sabbath. And then he would go out and harvest the sheaves and bring them into the temple and do the first fruits offering, which they waved up and down. Okay? So, uh, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early, when it was yet dark, before sunrise, unto the sepulcher, and seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher, they didn't see him rise, he was already up and out. Uh, so, I mean, we have the three days and three nights, they're used up, basically. If he was still there at sunrise, then it would have been three days and four nights. That wouldn't work. Uh, Luke 24 Verse 1, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, having bring, bringing the spices which they had prepare, prepared and certain others with them. So, so we had the first Sabbath 
and they could do nothing. Then Friday, they get the spices and prepare them. Then Saturday's another Sabbath. Now Sunday morning, they're going to go and put the spices and anointings on Christ's body. And they get there, and he's not there. <laughs> so, uh, Okay, so, so John 20, verse 17. Now Mary finds Christ still in the garden, but out of the tomb, obviously. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go unto my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and to your God. So at this point, Mary is not allowed to touch Yeshua. After the Passover sacrifice, oh yeah, I, uh, yeah, so after, uh, this is, and I've said this already, the Passover, after the Passover sacrifice, the high priest would go out and mark the sheaves, but not harvest them. He'd wait for three days, and then he would harvest the sheaves and prevent, pre present them in the temple. So that's what's going on here. Na the, the, uh, the graves were marked when he was crucified, and then he went into seclusion in the tomb for three days. Now, the, day, the morning after the Sabbath, he comes out of the tomb, and the first fruits are these risen from the dead that come out of the tombs then, and he presents them before the Father as the first fruits offering. Is that beautiful? That's right. That's why the high priest was in seclusion, because he couldn't touch anyone until he... Right, he hadn't made the offering, so he was technically still in seclusion until he did the offering, and, and then it was okay for him to be touched. And we see that. read these scriptures and then I got corrected as I began to research more you know I think of if I'm going to go before the Lord I'm waving you know I'm waving something like this but they and sometimes they do wave things like that before the altar but in this particular issue the barley harvest was waved up and down ascending and descending Ascending and descending. So this is also a marker and an arrow forward to tabernacles and the first and the second resurrections. It's coming. Okay? So you got that. So you can't touch him until he's ascended. What they had to be done is he had to ascend before Father into the divine court, into the realm of the spirit. He had been legally dead. They all certified that he's dead, he's no longer here. He had to ascend to the court and divine court of heaven before Father. And Father had to say, well, you are alive. Okay, I grant you that, but son, 
the sacrifice is acceptable. You have risen from the dead, and now you can go back. And now we get to. has the authorization to wave the first fruits before the court of heaven. The people that were rose from the dead. Okay, and that gets us pretty much down to the end. Matt? Yeah. It's so much richer than Easter. Passover was God's plan. <laughs> So to finish up, Matthew 28, in the end of the Sabbath, as it was beginning to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, so this is the second earthquake, and sat upon it, and his countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring, to bring to his disciples' word. And they went out to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by his feet, touching him, and worshipped him. So, so now they're allowed to hold him by his feet. Before he said, Don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended. So obviously, in the interim, he has ascended to the Father, presented the first fruits offering before him, and the offering's accepted. Now he comes back, and now the disciples are able to touch him. And so it's a bit later in the day. The first fruits are taken care of with everything completed. It's okay to touch him. Christ has performed and even been the Passover that the priesthood has been rehearsing since Moses. So that's... Because the well, it's let me say let me say this. It's yeah. There's there's reason to be angry there, but don't be mad at your pastor that taught you that because he was taught by the seminaries, which were taught. It's been it's been generation after generation. It dates back to Constantine, the people that started this lie are long since dead. So so when when 